Good morning and welcome to Over the Bar on West Cork FM with me, Sean Holland. As it was a very eventful week of sport, we'll get straight into it, starting with football. And we now know what teams will be competing in the FA Cup final. On Saturday, Chelsea managed to overcome Man City. Chelsea, who went into the game as 3-1 underdogs, but didn't play like it. They were more energetic and possessed an attacking impetus that Man City just didn't have. City looked largely lethargic throughout the first half, and once their ever-influential Kevin De Bruyne went off with an injury, Chelsea's midfield really took control of the game. And it was on 55 minutes when Chelsea landed the fatal blow when Timo Werner crossed to Hakim Ziyech to send the Blues through to the final. And on Sunday, it was another team in blue that booked their place in the final when Leicester beat Southampton, with a 1-0 victory being the outcome. In what was a poor game to say the least, it was Kelechi Iheanacho who scored the goal that now gives the chance for the Foxes to win their first FA Cup title and their first piece of silverware since their iconic Premier League title win in 2016. And speaking of the Premier League, impressive performances by most notably Leeds United and Brighton at the beginning of the week were overshadowed by developments off the pitch and new Sunday of the plans to establish the European Super League. In what was incredibly shocking news, this culmination of 12 of the biggest clubs in Europe were looking to break away from UEFA competitions and start their own Super League. A decision totally at the hands of foreign ownership within these clubs. Now, sport is a form of entertainment. And like all forms of entertainment, you can put a value on it. Be it a ticket to a concert, a CD or a TV subscription, we all pay for entertainment. Now personally, I'd be a big fan of American sports. And sometimes the lads at home might give me a bit of stick for watching them. But I find especially the NFL and the NBA a great source of entertainment. Now in America, the teams that compete in these leagues are known as franchises. To their owners, they are not so much a club, they are a business. A golden goose of sorts. Now the owners of these franchises also own some of the biggest clubs in English football. The Glazers, J.W. Henry and Stan Kroenke own Manchester United, Liverpool and Arsenal respectively. They view these clubs the same way they view their franchises. But what's totally different is that in American sports, compared to football, is that the word relegation never comes into the equation. Now for those of you who aren't too familiar with these sports on the other side of the Atlantic, let me explain this for you. Sometimes it's actually beneficial for a franchise to have a difficult or challenging season. For example, the Jacksonville Jaguars play in the NFL. And last season, they won one game out of 16. One. So because they had the worst record in the NFL, they then have the ability to choose the best player coming out of college, immediately improving the on-field success of the Jaguars. The NFL draft will take place next week, and it's the consensus that it's a man by the name of Trevor Lawrence who will be selected first. He's a national champion and a generational talent. So with the immediate on-field success that will come from having the best player out of college, there'll also be an increase in revenue for the franchise. Jersey sales, match tickets, TV deals, concessions, sponsorships. It's all money. Now contrast that with the football equivalent, Sheffield United, one of the oldest teams in England, 
and they will be getting relegated for their poor performance this season. They will lose players, lose jersey sales, TV deals, concessions, sponsorships. You get the picture. These owners are coming from a culture where there's 30 teams here this year, 30 teams here the next. They never have to worry about what the impact of dropping in leagues will do to a surrounding area, to its fans, or to the people working in the club. They don't even know what it's like to rise through the ranks, or always have that dream of competing against the best. They already have their Super Leagues. And what angered so many was that these owners tried to portray that this was in the best interest of football supporters. It quite clearly wasn't. They're taking the business view of things. They're taking the view they've always had. Looking to see how they can increase entertainment value. There was one quote at the start of the week that spoke volumes. Football, created by the poor and stolen by the rich. But after seeing the unification of all football fans in reprisal to this elitist greed, I feel another quote describes this week's actions as well as any. The great Jock Steen, former Celtic manager, said over 50 years ago that football without fans is nothing. And this week proved it. Now for those of you who were able to tune in last week, I previewed the Imola Grand Prix and spoke about how Formula 1 is on the rise. And last weekend's Grand Prix did nothing but only help. As the rain poured down prior to proceedings, it meant a thoroughly soaked racetrack, which only wet the appetite of the viewers at home. And with Ferrari's Charles Leclerc spinning off in the formation lap, you just knew there'd be drama. And there was no shortage of that. It was Max Verstappen who began the race in third position, had the very unique idea of starting his car in second gear to get a better jump off the line. And by the first corner, Max was up past Lewis Hamilton. The two championship protagonists even colliding to cause Lewis to lose a bit of his front wing. In what was an inevitability, there was a safety car in the second lap of the race when Nicholas Latifi of Williams crashed out. This allowed Hamilton to get right back behind Verstappen, but that's as close as he got to the Red Bull for the rest of the race. Hamilton spun off into the gravel trap and brushed into the barrier as he attempted to overtake the backmarkers. This would have signalled race over for Lewis, only for a little bit of help from his Mercedes teammate Bottas and Mercedes driver-in-waiting George Russell. Bottas and Russell collided in a huge accident, causing the race to be red-flagged and allowing Hamilton to get back in contention. He managed to weave his way through the field on resumption of the race and eventually finished second, but it wasn't enough to stop Max Verstappen winning the Grand Prix and really laying down the mantle to Mercedes in what should be a very competitive F1 season. Now, speaking of competitive seasons, we found out the draws to the GA Provincial Championships. In football, Cork will play the winners of Limerick and Waterford in the semi-final. And in hurling, face the daunting task of last year's All-Ireland winners Limerick, also in the semi-final. Now, I'd like to talk a small bit about Limerick and their emergence as a powerhouse in hurling. Last year, Limerick made light work of the competition, cruising to their second All-Ireland in three years. And you'd ask yourself, what's the reason for their success? Well, one thing that jumps out at you when you watch Limerick play is the physicality and stature of their team. The intimidation factor is there straight away. One thing that's noticeable in hurling in J nowadays is that size and strength is definitely a big factor in dominating on the field. 
it's rarely now you'd see a player the physique like a Joe Dean or a Gooch Cooper on an inter-county team. It's the way the inter-county game has gone. If you don't have that size or athleticism, you'll find it extremely hard to dominate on the pitch. Whereas before, it wasn't really an issue. What was very interesting is the size comparisons done between the Limerick team last year and the famed Wexford team of the 1950s. In 1955, Wexford faced Galway in the final of the All-Ireland. Of that final, only seven players on the pitch stood over six foot tall. Contrast that with the final last year, Limerick having 11 players exceeding six foot and Waterford had 10. Hurlers were always generally known as slighter or less bulkier than footballers, but now they have physiques of professional rugby players. However, with all that being said, you still need to possess a skill and a drive to win, as just being physically big won't win you all Ireland's. And Limerick are lucky enough to have a combination of both, and it's because of this they're a force to be reckoned with going forward. And now it's my pleasure to welcome on a very influential member of that Limerick team, current All-Ireland champion and All-Star, Tom Morrissey. Tom, thanks for joining me. Uh, how is life treating you at the moment? Good, John. Thanks for having me on. Um, life's good at the moment, I have to say, even even in these strange times. Um, you know, the next few weeks are, are, are looking positive. We're going to be back training with, the, with Limerick there there this week. Um, so, so looking forward to getting back into the hurling and back in with the lads into into that setup and you know I've been, I've been kept busy as well working from home and, and trying to do study as well for for accountancy exams so you know kept busy and I can't and complain fantastic you're kept busy like us all so uh, trade you you mentioned there how you're going back training and is, is that something you've been looking forward to for a while yeah you know um we we were kind of doing our own kind of individual running programs and and things like that the last the last few weeks and you know, it does get mentally tough. I think just trying to to go out and tra- train by yourself, or you know, try try and keep that motiva- motivation and that consistency to to train at a high standard by yourself. Um, it definitely definitely gets challenging the longer it goes on. So, I think definitely we're just looking forward to to getting back and I suppose getting into proper hurling and you know, be, being around the lads again and, and feeding off their energy. So, really looking forward to that. Yeah, that's definitely understandable and. Did John Kiley have you doing any special trainings or anything out of the ordinary, like, or was it like running and doing burpees in the city room like the rest of us? No, I think it's it, it, it's similar to everyone else now, and any other kind of club teams or, or county teams that were trying to trying to get back and getting a bit done. It was just a, you know, your individual kind of running sessions, and you know, it was just kind of getting a cardio session done at home, maybe two two times a week, and maybe two or three running sessions a week as well. Um, you know, trying to work and make sure that we're coming back, you know, fit and as, as strong as we possibly can be that we can, you know, focus on the hurling element when we do get back training as a group. Yeah, of course, and hit the ground running, as you said. And um, I suppose, Tom, what I'd actually like to know is how you actually got into hurling. Were you like every other young fella growing up in rural Ireland? You know, you, you play every other sport under the sun as, and as older as you get, you pick what you're best at or were you just a hurling mad family? Um, I suppose probably a mixture of kind of what you said there. Um, definitely a very just sporting household, um, and we're encouraged to to play every sport when we were when we were younger. Um, you know, I played with the local soccer team here, Ashton and Cotty, and um, played with the local rugby team, UL Bowes, and I obviously played 
hurling and Gaelic football with, with my own club at hand. Um, you know, and threw my hand at different sports along the way as well, like tennis, swimming, um, golf, a bit of that. Um, so de- definitely threw, my, threw, threw our hand and threw ourselves into into everything, which I think is the right thing for a kid to do and, and see where where your, I suppose, passion lies. And I suppose in this house, maybe it was always slightly towards um, GA. Our father would have been heavily involved with a, with a hand GA when we were growing up and we were always going off to, I suppose, matches um, with the club. And then he's a tip man and obviously we're here in Limerick, so it would have been off. He would have been going to tip once the championship matches and, you know, he would have brought us along with him and we would have also been going to all the Limerick games. So, you know, every summer um, we were we were in the car nearly every Sunday, whether it was going to Turles, Porky Cueva, into the Gaelic grounds and obviously lucky enough to get it if you're up in Crow Park. Um, so I suppose that's where um, so that's where it kind of really all started for me and, you know, why I kind of, I suppose, was drawn towards hurling. Um, when, when it did come to that age of, I suppose, being a, you know, a teenager, maybe 14, 15, 16, um, that, you know, hurling hurling was going to become the, the sole focus. Um, you know, when you start going into maybe development panels with with, with Limerick and stuff like that and the, the county competitions are starting up, you know, it was it was always going to be hurling for me. Yeah, I could I could imagine. And I suppose you, you touched on it there about um, going into the underage teams at Limerick and uh, winning Munster titles and All-Ireland titles. Uh, I suppose, would it be fair to say, having won all the way through the juvenile ranks, that you and a few other lads like Keen Lynch and Aaron Glan and Kyle Hayes, when you came onto the senior panel, you were able to instill and bring a winning mentality to a Limerick team, I suppose, that is probably fair to say were often playing second fiddle to the other foreign Munster. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Look, we were lucky enough to, to, I suppose, you know, come up together and have a strong group coming up together from from 14s up through up through the minor ranks and onto under 21s and you know I suppose a lot a lot of those players that I would have played with up along underage are, are making up a, a core element to the senior panel at the moment but you know there was another big core um, of the team that we came into that like have had a huge impact and influence on on Limerick being so successful over over the recent years and and they would have put down a lot of hard years as well but they were definitely massively influential and I suppose. You know, bringing us into a, a good senior setup, and and you know they were core pillars like the Declan Hannon, Graham Mulcahy, you know Paul Brown, Tom Condon, Richie McCarthy have all retired recently. You know we came into a panel of these guys who were top top hurlers, um, and you, you know it was it, it, I think it was a good blend of maybe those those two separate teams coming together was really you know it was it was it was the huge factor I think that that drove this team to be successful over the last few years. Um, to be to be honest with you, I, I don't think we can just attribute to attribute to success to our entire group coming up. Yeah, definitely a fair point. And uh, the culmination then of those two core groups brought you along to 2018, having to go through the back door, having to come back from the brink against Cork in the semi final, and then having to beat the reigning All Ireland champions Galway in the final. For you personally, what did it feel like to win that elusive All Ireland for Limerick after over 40 years of trying? Yeah, um, it was a, it was a long time coming. Definitely for forty five years to be exact. Um, yeah, I suppose the feeling was definitely one of just I suppose euphoria and kind of bit of just relief. I think was one of the main factors for for as a player. And I think if you were in Crow Park that day for a Limerick supporter, or even if you were just watching the matches, a Limerick supporter, it was just 
think a huge bit of relief, especially I think the way the game was going. We were up by eight points going into injury time, and you know, only won by the by the smallest of margins, the point itself. Um, you know, so I think there was there was people thinking, will it be a repeat in '94 and '96 when Limerick came so close but le- but left empty-handed? So I, I definitely think that was the maybe overriding kind of you know sense and emotion around mm-hmm. the place was just an absolute sort of excitement and you know overriding happiness, but also a, a huge sense of, of relief and you know kind of restored all the pain that we suffered down through the years. Yeah, could only imagine. And um, Cork themselves are going through it these days, I suppose you can nearly say that. And, uh, of course, in the final for you personally, you, you um, scored what was a vital goal. But describe to me what it's even, like, emotionally, what it feels like to score a goal of that magnitude, you know, on such a huge day for your county and in front of so many. Um. Yeah, Um. I think when you're when you're in the middle of a match, you don't really yeah. you don't really know what you're thinking. You're kind of you're you definitely do just you often hear players describe that it's just it's in the moment and you know you're not really taking it in. You're just you're you're going off instinct and stuff. So definitely at the time, I remember it was just you know just a real intense celebration and excitement and you know just it was going to keep the momentum on our side. Um, you know I think it could have pushed us maybe eight, eight points ahead. I'm not fully sure in and around that you know and really mm-hmm. put us you know in the driving seat going forward in that game um, and put us in a, in a in a great position you know so I suppose go on and, and claim claim the All-Ireland that year um, but yeah I, I don't really know how I feel I think I, I celebrated by just I think just roaring maybe in Gerald McInerney's face which maybe wasn't the right thing to do but you do just get I suppose overtaken by I suppose the moment that it was um, when you kind of maybe lose all control and sense of, of what you should be doing. Yes, I suppose what I only be thinking there when you be losing most, kind of like Ray Houghton in '94 doing a doing a little bit of a tumble. Yeah, I can completely understand, like because scoring in front of the hill in the All Ireland final is something that you know not every fella gets to experience though every day. Yeah, definitely, and it was definitely a moment of madness. I suppose, but I suppose when I did get it on the day. Looking back, look, it's a huge, huge. I suppose I've had, you know, it's two, three years ago now since since that moment, and you know, it is probably something I look back at the end of my career, and it'll always be nice, a nice token to have an all uh, an all Ireland goal, um, you know, scoring in the final. But um, yeah, and then something to be definitely, definitely to be proud of. Definitely, without a doubt. And it was a huge day for Limerick, I suppose, and it got got the monkey off your back and drove you on to more success. And then, of course, last year. Covid hit, and there was the uncertainty of the championship season, which was eventually played in the winter. Uh, what were your feelings then, as an intercounty player yourself, when the club game was actually given the priority over the intercounty? Yeah, I have to say, um, you know, I just I was always, you know, I suppose wanted both to be played. Obviously, in the in the situation that I am in, playing club and playing county, mm-hmm. um, and I was optimistic that both would get played. Played, um, you know, I actually have to say I was that. So delighted to finally get a what I'd call a full proper season done with the club. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, often you're trying to, I think, balance the two at the at the, at the one time. Um, you might get back to the club maybe a week before a championship game, and you try and play your few games in April. Then, and then it's you kind of go back then after the long season with the county. Whether you know this time you were kind of completely fresh going into into the club season, and you got a chance. I think. I think I played my most club championship or club games with my club in in one year than I 
than I ever have done because I got to play seven, eight challenge games in the months leading into the championship, which, you know, would be unheard of. Or I definitely have never experienced that before. So it was actually extremely nice to do, to, to get the opportunity to do that and, you know, get a proper full season with the lads and, you know, just getting in a routine of going down training down to the, the local club. You know, you take it for granted sometimes, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, you know, I think the split season, I, I'd definitely be for it, I think. Yeah, I'd 100% echo those views anyway. And um, when the championship did actually get going, uh, you pretty much swept the floor with the competition. Uh, winning the Munster and winning the All-Ireland and what was probably unique about starting that new season then in the winter is that uh, you had didn't have the chance to play in front of packed stadiums as you normally would. Was it something you found made it easier for you personally and gave you less pressure or do you enjoy the atmosphere? Um, I suppose you kind of you, you touched on both aspects of it there. I think definitely I think players were a bit more composed because it was empty stadiums and there wasn't, you know, I suppose the crowd bring a, a huge excitement and maybe franticness to 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 a game when when you when you feel their energy and and their emotion. But it definitely was a it was from a performance point of view it was nice going out you know empty stadium and you know there was no distractions of crowds or you know parades around the pitch. You could definitely be a bit more just focused on what you have to do and you know there's obviously the the benefits of maybe. You know, having having the water breaks, and you know, I think just being able to communicate on the pitch was a big one for us during the game. Usually, when you're in a packed stadium, you know, there's not a hope that you're going to be able to talk to someone, you know, that's ten, twenty yards away. Whether there was no problem, you know, using that communication if you needed to get a message to one of your other players or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. You know, when it is quieter, so you know, from that point of view, it, it was good. But I definitely think. Um, you know, I'd love to see supporters back there. Um, while it was unique and it was special maybe to play in empty stadiums during COVID and winning All-Ireland that way, you know, it's, you can't beat the buzz of, you know, running out of a tunnel in, in the Gaelic grounds or in Turles or up in Crow Park, you know, and, and, you, and you're met by that absolute roar from the crowd. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of unbelievably special moments there. You know, at the end of a national anthem when the when the both sets of supporters will will roar out a cry for their for whichever county they're supporting, you know, yeah. you, you you love those moments. There, there are moments that make the hair stand up on the back of your neck, and you know, you just I I definitely just want those back anyway. Yeah. I would love to see him back soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look, I can't say I know what it's like or where you're coming from, but uh, I definitely be one of them supporters shouting from the hill with a few points in me, Joe. <laughs> I would have been the same, I'd say now myself. <laughs> yeah, amateur. Look, and then I suppose when you when you think about the personal standpoint, you personally had a fantastic uh, twenty twenty season. You won your first All Star, and what many people felt then you were actually unlucky to miss out on a hurler of the year nomination. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, are personal accolades something you pay much attention to, Tom, or is it all about just winning those trophies and medals? Um, to be honest, it is just all about winning those trophies and medals. Um, you know that's that's first and foremost is to be a is to be a success with the team. Um, you know, and if if you do that, obviously you're you're going to be in with a chance of getting those individual honours. And you know, there's no point lying about them either. If, like I got my, as you said, my first All Star this year, um, or last year, and you know it was a hugely proud moment, and I was I was delighted to get it. But at the end of the day, you know. I I want all Ireland's and Munster championships and league medals much more ahead ahead of that, and you know I'll do whatever role I have to do in the team, 
um, to make sure that you know Limerick is going to be successful and and that we do continue to 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 win those competitions Absolutely. and games. Um, you know, but that's that's kind of really it from a player. Like you know, you'd often see people say they don't care about him, but you know, it was nice to, to is, was be is. recognised and whatnot. But at the at, at the end of the day, it is one hundred percent like my goal for this year is to be successful with Limerick and with the team and that means winning the medals and trophies and competitions that we're going to be playing in yeah and then as you said you're looking forward to then to this year and on Monday the draw was made for the Munster Championship and it's ourselves Cork in the semi-final and what are your thoughts on that and how would you like your chances um, look yeah I, to be honest I didn't even I forgot the draw was on yesterday morning <laughs> I didn't really pay much attention to it. I've I've yeah. I've a busy life at the moment, um. So I was actually we we had our first kind of group to our, we had our first kind of gym session fitness session with the with the team there yesterday. So I, I was just more looking forward to yesterday evening rather than rather than going go, going looking at the draw and who will be up against you know. And I think I saw the draw yeah. for the league is going to be Tipperary and Galway. So. You know they're they're going to be our focus when it when it when it comes to it, and you know we 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 look at Cork when when we face Cork in the championship. Yeah, definitely. There's no such thing as an easy drawn monster, no matter who you get. One hundred percent. I think you have five teams there who can who can beat any each other on a, on, on any given day. Um, you know, um, so I definitely, yeah, definitely, I definitely wouldn't be um saying we you 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 know you wouldn't be looking to to get any one team. Um, and say and saying you got an easy draw. That's I don't think there is an easy draw in Munster. Maybe it was nice to be drawn straight into a semi final, but you know you weren't going to get an easy opponent, whoever it was going to be. Yeah, and Jesus, right here in Cork, and uh, we probably wouldn't really echo that at all. You're probably the last last team we want to see pop out of the draw, but look, <laughs> we are where we are now. And uh, I suppose Tom, uh, I I suppose I'd nearly be lying if I was saying to wish you luck against us in that. But for the games and the seasons proceeding, I do wish you all the best. <laughs> and thanks a million for taking that's, the time. That's no problem so, at all, John. Yeah, I re- really appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, no problem, and thanks for having me. And I hope the show is a great success. So after a week dominated by dealings and plans off the pitch, we look forward to the action that will be taking place this weekend. In football, the first domestic English trophy will be up for grabs as Sunday's Carabao Cup final will play host to Manchester City and a Jose Mourinho-less Tottenham. Before that, there'll be the very tasty clash of Leeds United who have been nothing short of brilliant this season as they face their bitter rivals, Manchester United. One would only have loved to have seen a packed Ellen Road for a clash of the two giants of English football, but it should still be a very entertaining clash. In rugby, Ireland are in women's Six Nations action against Italy while we have Ulster and Connacht and Leinster taking on Munster as the Rainbow Cup finally gets off the ground and helps prepare both Ulster and Leinster for European action next weekend. There'll also be World Snooker Championship, golf in the Zurich Classic, horse racing at Sandown and UFC 261 for any of you fighting enthusiasts. There's definitely no shortage of sport to watch over the next couple of days. So that's it from Over the Bar this weekend. Thank you for joining me. I'm Sean Holland and this is West Cork FM.